Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. from Radio Catskill Studios in Liberty, New York. This is the local edition. News and information to keep you connected in the Catskills, Northeast Pennsylvania. I'm your host, Jason Dolt. Coming up, we'll be talking to Martin Colavito. Talk about food insecurity in the Sullivan County area. Also get the latest news from the River Reporter. Reporter Ruby Rayner checking in with us live, coming right up. But first up, we do have uh, some news for New York State. Because New York State's highest court ruled yesterday about redistricting in New York State. Karen DeWitt has more. The court ruled in a 4-3 to three decision that the state's independent redistricting commission must be given another chance to redraw the state's congressional districts for the 2024 elections. In the opinion, recently appointed Chief Judge Rowan Wilson writes that indisputably the Constitution requires the commission to deliver a second set of maps. Wilson writes the people of New York are entitled to the process set out in the Constitution for which they voted. The redistricting process in New York was revised in a constitutional amendment approved by voters in 2014. The ruling is expected to have an impact on the fight for control of the U.S. House. In 2022, the redistricting commission gridlocked. New districts were then drawn by Democrats who controlled the state Senate and Assembly. Those lines were later determined by the high court to be unconstitutionally gerrymandered, and a special master was appointed to redraw the districts. The Court of Appeals that year also found that the legislature should have given the Independent Redistricting Commission a second chance to redraw the maps as required under the state's constitution, but they didn't. In the elections that November, four Democratic House seats flipped to Republicans and helped contribute to the Democrats' loss of party control of the House. Critics blamed the Democrats in the state legislature who drew the maps for overreaching. The redistricting commission will now reconvene. They have until February 28th to submit new maps. If the five Democrats and five Republicans on the panel once again cannot agree on a single set of maps, then Democrats who lead the legislature will be allowed to intervene and draw the maps themselves. In Albany, I'm Karen DeWitt. So one of those districts that were redrawn uh, last year and may be redrawn yet again is New York's 19th district. That's one of the four districts uh, that flipped from Democrats to Republicans. It's represented by Mark Molinaro, includes uh, much of the Catskills and also Southern Tier in New York. I spoke to Mark Molinaro earlier today to get his reaction on this ruling. Congressman, I have to ask you about the decision uh, by New York's highest court yesterday ordering the state to redraw its congressional map. What's your reaction to this? Yeah, it's unfortunate that the Court of Appeals has reopened now redistricting. Uh, New York, actually, after the independent uh, individual wrote uh, and, and, and crafted these lines, has among the most competitive uh, and balanced districts of any state in the country. 
but this now returns to uh, the uh, redistricting commission and uh, the state legislature. Um, yes, the Democrats control both houses of the state legislature. I think they recognize they can't overreach. Uh, I certainly encourage them not to uh, not to gerrymander in a partisan way. Uh, and you know, from my perspective, uh, the voters, uh, frankly, I think are, are are tired of having to go through this process. So the quicker uh, we can resolve this and and get back to uh, uh, and finalizing those districts is is helpful uh, to everybody. But you know, my focus remains the same, and that is uh, we have real needs facing upstate New York, and I'm going to continue to fight for the communities and families, farmers and small businesses that sent me to Washington to fight for them and and allow this process to play out. Like you said, uh, the 19th is was one of the most competitive districts in 2022. How does this ruling potentially uh, impact this district? Well, again, I mean, if the um, uh, if the Democrat-controlled houses of the state legislature um, honor uh, the language of the state constitution, then there should not be any effort to to overly uh, uh, gerrymander in a partisan way. And and that I think I mean I again. Some people listening may say, well, that's naive. Of course they are. But they've lived through the last uh, legal process, which could play out again if, if, if there's any overreach. And so I'm hopeful that the Southern Tier, the Catskills, uh, end up with a solid district uh, where we can have our voices heard. And, and I believe that's achievable uh, in a way that meets the state constitution and the requirement uh, to not have politicians pick their, their constituents, but rather the process uh, recognize and, and protect communities that share interests and 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 uh, demographics and backgrounds. So uh, again, I, I I you know I I, I I'm a, we're just playing through, right? This is uh, the, the, this process will play out. I'd like it to be done as quick as possible so that we don't con- overly confuse voters and residents, and um, uh, and, and and allow this uh, to, to 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 close pretty quickly. Uh, with uh, obviously my focus remaining on the issues facing the people I represent. Representative Mark Molinaro of New York's 19th District speaking to us uh, earlier today. Now it's time for the latest local news from the River Reporter on our weekly news roundup. For that, we turn to reporter Ruby Rayner joining us live on on the phone. Ruby, thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. Okay, um, so you've got some stories you want you're looking at, but uh, one of them's a, a big story that's we've been following for quite a while. Is there uh update on Camp FIMFO? Yeah, I'd love to give listeners a little bit of information and context about FIMFO. So just quickly for, for anyone just um, tuning in now, the proposed FIMFO resort, which um, will move into the former Kittany campground in the town of Highland, which previously has, has been a tenting campground since since the early 1940s, um, is actually a subsidiary of the Sun Communities, which make manufactured homes and are looking to turn those longtime tent sites into parking spaces for tow-behind RVs and RV park models um, that would have permanent hookups for water, sewage, and electricity. And this has been a super contentious and um, highly discussed um, plan. And that led the River Reporter to want to further understand what exactly an RV park model um, is because something that is hooked up to um, sewage, water, and electricity doesn't sound very mobile. Um, And what we found 
is that it doesn't exactly look like a bus or um, an RV that you'd see cruising on the highway, but it does look more like a manufactured home that you might see kind of in a trailer park, and it has skirts around it to hide the wheels, which are what allow it to be towed. Um, So it was just, it was definitely um, a look into kind of what this might look like if um, plans do materialize. And um, we, um, the Riverport also tried to kind of figure out how many are going to be these tow behind and how many are going to be these, these, these park models that um, look a bit differently. And um, Representative Alex um, Bedak from the Albany law firm um, told the River Reporter, he's the FIMFO representative, told the River Reporter that it's going to be a mix between the two, but has not returned messages to kind of clarify and give a definitive answer as to how many of each of these um, there will be. Right. And do they at least have an overall number if they don't have a percentage breakdown of how many will be each type? Yeah, so the the initial plans called, which could change, so just to be clear, but the initial plans called for uh, clearing 14.6 acres um, across the, the 223-acre site, and it would be 145 um, models. Mm-hmm. So uh, where does this project stand? Because I guess the last I heard, I kind of thought... It was it was on the back burner uh, for various reasons. So is it is it still on track? Still moving forward? Where, where's the project now? Yeah. So the public comment period of the draft scope, which lasted 20 days, ended on November 22nd, and um, the chair um, Norm Sutherland of the planning board said that they received quite a few emails and letters. Um, that they would, and all of these public comments would be included with the board's meeting minutes and put online once the board accepts them. And they were forwarded to the town's Keystone Engineering, who they're working with, who have come up with 91 recommendations based on these comments. So right now they're still in the, they're just ending the public comment period of this stage. And then the, um, Keystone Engineering will release those recommendations, and it's still to to be known what will what will happen from there. Okay, and where where does this whole project fit in with within the larger context of the camping industry I- itself? Yeah, I think it's in, important to see it to zoom out a tiny bit. Um, in general, right now, there's been a really really big camping boom. Um, a lot of people recently, like more than um, 15 million Americans actually went camping for the first time in the last two years. Um, so, you know, influenced by, by probably the pandemic and a lot of people are camping in RVs and um, more generally glamping, which is, um, you know, outdoor camping with amenities and comforts um, has become more popularized. So it's definitely like a more popular and lucrative business. So that's definitely where you see the incentive of these companies like um, Sun Communities to enter into the industry and to create these resorts in, in places like Highland. All right. And uh, when's the next time you expect to have an update on this? Where are the next steps? Um, the next planning board meeting and when they approve these minutes. I'm not sure exactly when that will happen, but I will keep 
you posted. Okay, thanks so much for that. Okay, and uh, now talking about uh, increases in county health insurance. You have a story about this. Is this about the the cost that the county has to pay for health insurance for its employees, or is this health insurance across the board for everybody that lives in the county? No, this is the what the county has to pay for for their employees. But I think probably others might. I mean, many people, insurances are going up across the board, so it's definitely not not an exclusive issue to, to the county. Right, but that's just not what this article problem. is about. Yeah. Yeah. So, so why is uh, why is health insurance costs going up for the county? Yeah, this kind of happened and, at the eleventh at the eleventh hour. Um, the the budget is to be approved actually tomorrow, so we'll see. They there was increases communicated to the county for the cost of insurance and uh, $2 million, which is um, 0.7% of the, the full budget. So it's not like a completely insignificant amount of money um, that they'll need to come up with. And um, the reason is that a lot of times contracts with um, insurance companies are on a multi-year basis. So the effects of inflation and um, other increases, oftentimes it is delayed a little bit. So that's why there's these big increases in insurances that we're, we're seeing right now. And the New York State Department of Financial Services approved these rate increases um, recently. They actually like whittled them down to what the insurance companies requested, but they still were increased quite a bit, which is why the county now has to come up with $2 million. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and, um, Anything else on on that story? Yeah, I mean, I think it it was interesting that um, the legislators seem to be in pretty much agreement that in order to pay for this $2 million, that they were going to raise taxes. So those haven't been raised in in three years, um, according to Pirello. So um, we'll see what they decide tomorrow um, of how to come up with the funds. But um, it's not definitely common that you see legislators pretty much all in agreement that the way to find this money would be to raise taxes rather than um, use reserve funding or anything like that. So I'm, I'm, I'm very curious to see to see what happens. And um, the loan, loan resident who, who spoke on the matter at the public budget hearing also was in favor of raising taxes in order to cover the cost. Okay, and we're going to have to go in in just a couple minutes here, but um, I am a fan of trains, and I'm a fan of Steamtown USA, which is in Scranton, and there's actually plans to connect uh, Scranton to New York by train. Is this passenger rail? And when on earth would I actually be able to jump on a train and do that? Oh, well, I can't tell you that, Jason, but this long-dreamt of Granton passenger rail has moved closer to being a reality. Um, it's basically the, the Federal Railroad Administration um, identified this corridor as a development area, which puts it on the map for moving forward. And the program will pay for the initial parts of the process of drafting, scoping documents, scheduling um, for there to actually be um, that Granton um, to New York City connection, which the the would reinstate, you know, this what used to be there actually, um, 
the Lackawaxa cutoff was built between 1908 and 1911 um, as part of this much longer main line between New Jersey and and Buffalo, and it would um, repair those, revive those 28 miles of track that have gone into disrepair, which is we're we're very we're at the cutting edge of technology during their during their prime. Wow. All right. Well, uh, Ruby, I thank you for your update on that story. The good news for uh, train fans and folks that are familiar with Scranton. And uh, thanks for going over all this and all these important stories. And uh, I'll remind listeners they'll be able to hear you again on the weekend doing the local headlines here. And uh, the latest edition of the River Reporters Online now will be on newsstands tomorrow, correct? That's right. Thanks, Jason. All right. Have a good night. This is the local edition. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, we have more for you. Stay tuned. You're listening to the local edition, winner of Excellence in Broadcasting Awards from the New York State Broadcasters Association. Radio Catskill. Listen local. Support for Radio Catskill comes from the Neversink General Store. Featuring deli sandwiches, gourmet specials, and catering. The NeverSinkGeneralStore.com. From The River Reporter, the community newspaper covering four counties in Pennsylvania and New York along the Upper Delaware River. RiverReporter.com. And from listeners like you, who donate at WJFFRadio.org. NPR and this station are supported by the communities we serve. In return, our journalism is available to everyone free of charge. Keep this public service strong. Donate today. Make your year-end tax-deductible donation before December 31st. Make a one-time donation of any amount at WJFFRadio.org. Thank you. Hi there, this is Brian, host of The Secret Show. Friday nights at 9. I'll be playing a mix of indie, alternative, college, rock, and pop. Some new music and some old classics. That's The Secret Show, Friday nights at 9, only on Radio Catskill. Listen local. This is Rosie Starr, host of Farm and Country. The beauty of our mountains and rivers and the generosity of our hearts will light up our lives and bring us comfort and joy. From all of us here at Radio Catskill, thank you for listening. Have a safe and festive holiday season and a happy new year. to the local edition. This is news and information. We're keeping you connected in the Catskills in Northeast Pennsylvania. And in Sol- in Sullivan County, there's something called SALT. It stands for uh, Sullivan Allies Leading Together. And there's also the Sullivan County branch of the Cornell Cooperative Extension. And involved with both of those organizations is my guest live on the phone now. It's Martin Colavito. Marty, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you. 
So are you still out there doing the good work with these organizations and trying to help keep people fed? Yeah, we're still doing the uh, Sullivan Fresh Community Cupboard. I think this is our fifth year now. Yeah. Wow. So, so what's it like, and can you speak to the 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 need that you're seeing out there in the public? Um, being out there every day, what we see are the some of the symptoms that are happening around the county: people being displaced, homelessness, hunger. Um, we do so. We deliver essentially five days a week, but we have emergency deliveries as well. Where if somebody calls and they have no food within that day, they get food. And those calls have been going up probably tenfold uh, over the past three months. Tenfold? Yeah, we used to get maybe one or two a week. Now there are weeks we get 15 of them, you know, 20, yeah. Wow. Okay. So, like, what what do you think that means? I think it means that, uh, you know, the obvious is that people don't have food. I think part of that's associated with people who are suffering from collateral conditions and, you know, the kind of economic trauma that results from from a lot of things that are going on currently in the county. I think a lot of people who we serve are worried about losing their housing. I think a lot of people that we serve serve live in substandard housing and they're afraid to say anything about it. And I think, you know, unfortunately over the past year or two, uh, there isn't a whole lot of recourse that, that folks who are paying rent have. Um, in a lot of situations. So I think what happens is, is, is people are, you know, they're, they're hungry, they have families, they, you know, and when you don't have food, you're probably, you're probably at one of the most opportune times for, for co-occurring conditions to occur, mental health, substance use disorders, you know, and on and on and on. I think, uh, I think there's a lot of pain out there. Yeah. And there, there's a lot of that going on, but I think what's concerning is you're talking about an increase, a major increase over many months, and now here we are. We're not even in the worst part of the winter yet. Winter's just starting. Like, things get harder these next few months. They get colder. Uh, there's just less work overall this time of year in this very seasonal area. Um, I mean, th- this sounds pretty serious at this time of year. You know, again, we started this when the county closed because of COVID. Yeah. And this many years later, we we have more deliveries than we had during COVID. And you would think it would be the other way around, especially the first year of COVID when nobody was going out. Yeah, that's, I mean, we said at that time, you know, we had you on the radio, we talked to other people that were helping do food relief. Um, like we said then that this was an existing problem then that the pandemic put a spotlight on and exacerbated to a certain degree. But this is, I don't know, this is this is pretty serious. You're talking about this major increase, uh, again, even over as bad as it was in the pandemic when, when people were totally thrown into limbo. And you did mention, you know, the housing, housing and homelessness uh, being uh-huh. part of this issue, too. 
Uh, we already featured you, you know, earlier in the year, you know, talking about the just what you're seeing out there every day in terms of, uh-huh. you know, people being evicted, you know, people not being able to live in spaces anymore. What what can be done about the homelessness issue? You know, I, you're asking me a question that under the current flawed system, I don't have an answer. I think there has to be a paradigm adjustment. I, I and, and again, you know, people talk to me about hunger. People talk to me about homelessness. Everything's related. It, it's an ugly system, right? So you can't address homelessness unless you address hunger. You can't address hunger unless, unless you address the displacement of people, you know, the development that's going on through the county that's, that's displacing people. You can't, you know, address that unless you address mental health and substance use disorder. So what we try to do culturally is we try to put band-aids by addressing one thing at a time. But meanwhile, if you see all these other things. So homelessness is fueled by mental health and substance use disorders. Mental health and substance use disorders are, are, are fueled by, you know, homelessness. But, you know, we have to have a more blanketed approach to things. And I think more affordable housing is in order. You know, I'm taking a ride Friday throughout the county with with a reporter as well to to kind of exasperate what is going on as far as development, as far as infrastructure being run dry, and 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 how it's. An entropic system, it's just, it's just entropy at its, entropy at its finest because the more we develop in certain areas of the county, the less infrastructure we have, but we still develop. I mean, look at Fallsburg. Um, and sooner or later, you know, you know, entropy in any system, you start eating yourself. And I, I fear that's happening now, you know, systemically. Okay, I was thinking of development as being a concern within the context we were talking about uh, because of other aspects of that we've we've talked about that that people are being priced out of the market. Uh, it sounds like you're you're saying that the other side of what development does is it stretches the infrastructure thin. And and the the, the thinner you stretch the infrastructure, the more people get displaced, especially the people that are on the fringes. That. I'll give you a perfect example. There's a complex in Fallsburg that we've been delivering to for years. We are averaging 16 to 20 people every week, people with severe mental health disorders. And in the course of one month, the development's gone. It was bought, torn down. Now, where do these people go? All right. So you couple that with the fact that, you know, there might not be enough water. There might might not be enough storage for what they're doing developmentally there. So now when I talk about entropy, that's exactly what I'm talking about. Now you're displacing people and you're you're building without an infrastructure. And my fear is that all of this is being greenlit by folks. And, you know, it's a conversation for a longer period of time, but the greenlighting of this development ultimately manifests itself in a lot of hatred for cultures that are coming into town. Um, but again, that's a conversation we can have at another time. And if you want to take a ride, I'd be more than happy to give you a ride as well. Right.
Um, you know, before we go here, I, and and I and I hear you that th- these are bigger issues than we can uh, even talk about in one short conversation, let alone uh, that that any one person can tackle. I hear you on like right. the the a band aid and and kind of just whack a mole nature of what you're doing, but still right. at this time of year, if people are feeling charitable and you know they want to help out with people who might be hungry or people who might be homeless in the area. Is there is there anywhere that you can point them to anything that they can do? Yeah, if they want to help out with the with the cupboard, they can always you know either go to our salt website, uh, saltcares.com. There's a link to donate. Um, they can do the same thing with Cornell Cooperative Extension in Sullivan County. But most importantly, you know what I would tell people is hearts and minds. And I don't want to make it sound as depressing as it is, because there is a lot of good leadership in the county. There's a lot of good leadership in the county. I, you know, I think, you know, the commissioner for health and family services is doing a good job. I think the county manager is doing a good job. I think there's hope over the next year or two in regard to new leadership. Um, but I think, I think it's very important that they act. Um, so to go back to your question about helping out, yeah, people can contact us at soulcares.com. Cornell Cooperative Extension. Um, people want to volunteer, they can give me a call. My number is 845-596-0075. I know it's the radio, but, I, you know, it's great that it goes out to everybody. Okay, great. And Sullivan, uh, Cornell Cooperative Extension is SullivanCCE.org. It's SullivanCCE.org. And uh, we've been yep. talking to Martin Colavito. I, thank you so much for the work you're doing, and thank you for giving us a frank and honest update here. It, it, uh, it's a big help. Thank you so much, Marty. Thank you very much. Have a great day. All right? You too. All right, that's going to do it for tonight's local edition. We've got the daily coming up next, and then after that, it's the Retro Cocktail Hour. Stick with us here. This is Radio Catskill. Listen local.